Welcome back to another episode of Season 5 of the RAG Podcast. As you guys know by now, this is the number one podcast across the recruitment sector globally. And we've always been on a mission to help recruitment agencies grow by interviewing founders and telling their stories of success from startup all the way to scale up and exit. Well, this season, we're a little bit different. How do you, as a recruitment leader and founder, maintain your family and friendships whilst being the best person at work? How do you stay physically fit mentally and emotionally? And how do you find time for yourself in the madness? How do you find time for self-interest, for hobbies and self-improvement? Well, to help you with this, I'm going to be interviewing someone every single week that can demonstrate experience in one or more of these areas. So I'm going to talk to recruitment founders and also some experts from outside the industry who can deep dive into things like relationships and health and well-being. So sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy today's show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the RAG podcast. And today I'm super excited to be joined by Ben Wallin and Dan Cox, the founders of Edison Search. Edison Search is a business that only started in June 2021. So we're talking 15, 14, 15 months ago, right in the middle of a pandemic. These guys have worked in recruitment for 10 years together. One was head of contract, one was head of perm, and they'd methodically planned to start a business in an area that they didn't even know. They just felt that there was going to be a huge area of growth and an amazing niche. So they, Edison Search is now 20 staff inside 14, 15 months. They recruit in the IoT space, Internet of Things. I'm going to be honest. I don't fully understand what that means, but we talked about it in today's session. They're headquartered in Basingstoke, which is an interesting spot. They used to commute from Basingstoke to London. Now they work you know, close to home, and they've built a business that stands out in that community. Um, but they only recruit into the U.S. and a little bit into Europe. So 70% of their revenue is in the U.S. So they're a U.S. recruitment firm in the Internet of Things space from Basingstoke. That does not roll off the tongue every day. And as a result is, I think, part of the DNA of why they're so great. Um, what I love about these guys is they're so switched on. Dan is the sales lead and Ben is the operational lead. They both bill. In their first year, they predicted to make £200,000 in billings. They actually invoiced £1.7 which is insane. Um, they, they're humble, they're honest, they're direct. They're in the thick of growth. They work an interesting way when it comes to the U.S. market. They still finished contractually at 5.30. So most people who work U.S. market hours have to work U.S. market like afternoons and evenings. And they, they found a way that works for them. A huge, um, a huge vision and ambition just exudes out of these two guys. And as a result of that, they've proven already that they're, you know, they're successful entrepreneurs without their chef, fair share of challenges. So... I really hope you enjoy today's episode as much as I did recording it. Without further ado, Ben, Dan, welcome to the RAG podcast. Thanks for having us. Good yeah, to be thanks, here. Sean. Pleasure. Pleasure. We've just been talking about the fact that I'm fresh off a stag do. If anyone's listening and wonders why I sound like a 150-year-old man, it's because I feel like a 150-year-old man. And, and the guys have <laughs> guys been very polite this morning saying I don't look it, but I feel it. But um, You might feel it. We look it, for sure. No, so, uh, no, yeah. that's, that's, that, is the recruit, that is a recruitment owner's life. I've, I yeah. think I did, I'm not going to name him, but I met this one recruitment owner in his first year, right? And I met him in his third year. I 
Ricky now. He, 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 <laughs> he ain't got 20 years. That's me. That is me. Sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you boys are doing all right just now. Um, but look, but, uh, Ben, Dan, pleasure to have you on. Um, and, you know, we spoke quite briefly, quite recently, and I was really excited about this episode based on what you've achieved so far. But most people won't know who you are. So, Ben, to start with you, just give me an overview of who you are and what's your what's your role in the business? So, yeah, co-founder of Edison Search, um, Dan and I, straight down the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been doing this now for, well, it was June 2021. We, we officially uh, launched. It's been a long time in the making. Dan and I worked together previously for, Dan has said, 10 years. I think we spent 10 years together there. And, you know, we had conversations fairly regularly during that decade as you often do over a pint sometimes after a bad day of what we could be doing better and (laughs) yeah aspirations that we had and um it all kind of came together um for various reasons part of it was covid impacted like a lot of i think a lot of companies were formed um over that period um but we're down in in basingstoke in 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 sunny hampshire Mm -hmm. enjoying a bit of rural life we've both worked in the city for so long uh, so that that was a, a bit of a different uh, <laughs> approach, um, a bit of a different environment for us. But yeah, we're over a year in now, and um, really happy with the way things have gone. Um, so yeah, pleased pleased to be here to talk what, to you about. What's the what's the how many people you got in the business now? We are at today. We've got I think it's twenty. Twenty, yeah, twenty. Hopefully, twenty-one, twenty-two by next week. So yeah. Wow. So Dan, what's your role in the business? How, how would you split up what you two do? do you think? Um, great question, Sean. Love it. Straight in there. So, um, so I'd say I'm a little bit probably more focused on the, on the sales side of the business. So, um, j- just to say, I never done the US market before I started Edison Search. So, you know, me and Ben sat down and said, "Hey, what should we do? We set up a company, a brand new market in an area that I don't, I've never done any business in." And thought, yeah, let's do it, right? You know, it sounds yeah. great. But um, but so I do a lot more in sales. So the last year or so, we've been building out our um, sales functions within the organization, right? Within the four pillars that we that we specialize in within the IoT ecosystem, which has been great. Um, and seeing those individuals scale rec- uh, companies. So, you know, we are still billers, but more importantly, we're winning and, and, and passing out, right? Which I think is really important, especially in, individuals at um early stages of career you know yeah. everyone needs a win and along the way so i'm a lot more sales focused ben is still very much um building out and sales focused a little bit more operational so it's, that's why it works really yeah. well is yeah. we both know our roles from day dot yeah do the team know that do the team are the team aware of it yeah i i mean we've been we've been pretty pretty transparent i think as as business owners but also you know it's so obvious from our personality traits i mean dan is you know, one of the best sales people I've ever kind of worked with. He just exudes sales kind of energy. And that's what kind of gets him out of bed in the morning. Whereas anybody that's worked with me knows that I'm a kind of process, kind of methodical, thorough type, Um, sometimes probably too much. But I think we complement each other in in, in that sense that Dan can sometimes be 100 miles an hour. And so and other times I need to properly go up. 20 miles an hour do you know what i mean um but i like to get everything kind of underpinned and have a process and basically offer the best possible service that we can to candidates and clients and make sure we've got enough underpinning that 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 platform that that can happen 
Whereas Dan is um, obviously all of that too, but he's 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 the guy they'll execute more often than not. Love it. It reminds me of me and Amma. I mean, we're probably less different, I suppose. I think Amma's probably less operational than than he could be, than, than I've met other founders, but he's definitely more so than me. I mean, I've been I've been told that even when a client has paid and signed with us, I'm still selling. And they're like, you don't have to keep selling. It's just like a natural, you know, I, I, it's just in my DNA. And I'm probably a bit like you, Dan. I just, I just love it. But um, I think it's really key when you can get that early blend of, of skills. And I think there is, I've met many co-founders where they don't, they don't know that and mm. they don't, and it can take them a long time. And then there can be some challenges around, oh, I don't, neither of them want to do X or Y, you know, if they both yeah. want to step back and sit behind spreadsheets all day, like too early on, it can cause problems. But it sounds like you guys have got a unique blend. Did you, did you see that when you worked together though? Like, did you see those skills come out? Like I can imagine Dan's skills are more obvious in a recruitment firm, but Ben, were your was that methodical analytical skill set evident um, when you're in the in the job? Yeah, I think so. I mean, when Dan and I worked together, Dan ran the contract division and I ran the permanent division. So mm. you know, we were separate, but obviously we were involved a lot in in you know management meetings, board meetings, yeah, yeah. and so forth. But also, I, I I was the first employee there, so I was quite privy to business decisions um, and you know the way that the that the business kind of scaled and I was quite involved with the finance and the operations team and you know why we had certain processes in place and, and actually I got I enjoyed that that part of it so Dan absolutely kind of would have seen that and you got also got to remember that when Dan came into the business which is about three years after me at that point um you know kind of very green but he just absolutely shook the core of the business because he was just so you know just I say very energetic, willing to pick up the phone, talk to anybody and just accelerate through the business really, really quickly and became you know, the youngest director there kind of by far in a pretty short space of time. So we were thrown together. Um, and actually, on, on the outset, some people would probably look at us and go We're quite opposites in some ways. How, how, how do they how is this working? How, how does it work? But we saw that as just an absolute bonus that's the perfect combination and in fact we've had some really nice feedback from people that we've known for a long time both family friends ex-colleagues that know our attributes and we both went into it by the way we had a really good conversation before we before we actually went for it and we included our wives where it was locked down mm-hmm. we had a zoom call so not too dissimilar to this and we've actually got a photo of us all kind of high-fiving the camera mm-hmm. saying let's do this now and we'll always look back on that photo wow. but we were really honest with each other and we said look this is what i perceive our strengths and weaknesses to be and dan's kind of said it to me and and we pretty much hit it now on the head you know some of the feedback was perhaps a little bit tough to take but they were right dan was right i was right so we went i think we went into it with our eyes wide open you know we know what we know where our mm. strengths and weaknesses are for sure and Ben talked about like our wives. Like I think that's so pivotal. Like the first first year to two, you know, running a business is a sacrifice, right? And you've got to know that. Talks about being an entrepreneur or whatever business owner and glamorizes. It's not. It's hard work. And at the start of it, you are a relentless biller. Like it doesn't matter. You know, the first year is is all about cash, right? It's about bringing in that revenue for the company so that you can hire and train individuals that can become better than yourselves, right? That's key. That is absolutely key. And strategically, we need to align. It was new markets, new areas. Would companies trust us, you know, two-man band to start with? But I think it's that having that big 
big company mentality from day one. And we always believed that we would get here quickly if we could build. And it all comes back to that sound. So, you know, myself and Ben and our wives, we talk about our wives. They, they've been so understanding. Like, you know, we work religiously, again, hours hours on end, US hours and stuff like that, and then doing European, UK hours in, in the morning, right? And that is consistently everything. It doesn't matter now we're a year in, we've done well. It's consistently ingrained with us. And our wives have been really understanding. And we knew that there was an agreement that we'd all go in as a four of us, that that's what needed to be done. And, you know, other people have different things, but that is what we work for, right? It's our family. And if you don't have that back in, then it's very, very hard because you're one, keeping an eye on making sure that that's okay. And then also your business. So we're very lucky. We've, we've got wives that back us, back us to the I mean, they've been in, well, you know, we both started recruitment and we were, we were all together then. So they knew the sacrifices that we made then. So they know what we were doing in our time scales and, and things. So, you know, I think that's absolutely key that, you know, you have somebody that, that under if you're with somebody that they back and they understand the sacrifice that needs to be done. You know, my daughter is free now. When I started the business, she was two. My wife's pregnant now. We've got another one on the way. But she totally understood that that's what needed to be done, especially in that first year to get the business off the ground. How long so that, was she with you while you were in recruitment? Were they yeah, with you a long all time? the way through. Yeah, yeah, all the way right. through. So they've, so they've seen, seen that. It. They've seen you and they've seen the way you operate and their confidence in you. And that was like my my ex-wife was it was a funny one. We we met when I was at my peak. So I was billing like 700 grand is when I met her, right? So, I, you know, take her on holidays and all these cool things. And, and then it literally just went like that. <laughs> so when I went into management, my earnings went down. Then I started the business and it went to the point where I was earning nothing. Um, and then it, it never really picked back up that much till we after we split up. It was mad. Um, but regardless of how our relationship went, that was still always the comfort. I knew she believed in my ability. And I think that's really important. If they, if they question you, it can create so much challenge at home, I think in that first year well, you know you know what sean this um i mentioned that we're in basingstoke um and, and that's made a real difference and and actually it's, it's helped us balance our kind of work and family lives because previously we were both working in central london and we had yeah. done for a long long time um yeah. and we both kind of moved further out of london to kind of move into more kind of family kind of you know suburb um you know towns and villages so our commutes were getting longer so my commute door to door into kind of liverpool street was about an hour and a half so about mm. three hours a day yeah so mm. i was leaving the house earlier and getting home later and then obviously still being dictated to by train timetables and tube strikes and all that kind of good stuff being in Basingstoke, it's been a revelation for me because suddenly I'm driving to work. I mean, I can't. I, last time I did that, I was probably 17, and I was driving yeah. to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's and my commute now is about 35, 40 minutes straight down the M3. And even though we are working quite late hours, a lot of those hours are done at home. So we, we've got the ability now, and all of our staff here are all very close. Some actually live in Basingstoke. A few of the guys walk. Most of them max kind of commuting distances. I think I've got the long, longest commuting distance, about 35 minutes. So that really helps us here that we're not having to factor in um, people, you know, having been on the road for two hours before they get into the office or they've got to leave earlier because of train timetables or whatever. And it's really helped us with our flexibility. Yeah. I've never had that before. So stress I still... Well, stress. I mean... Yeah. I'll, I'll leave the office is. at half five and I can be home at six. I mean, I was, yeah. that was never happening before. But yeah, I have almost more responsibilities and more things to do now, but I'll just do it. I'll do think it. About, yeah. Think about the stress of... I mean, we've, we've all, I lived in London my time in London, but I still... My commute was still an hour. When I lived in Crystal Palace, I bought a house when I started Hoxo. It was an hour. And then... If I wanted to go to the gym, 
I was up at like 5.30 or something just to train and then go to work. Whereas like now I live, I'm six minutes from the office, like in the car or 20 minute walk. And it's like, game change. It's a no brainer. When when Eli was born, my my first, and we were actually going through a transaction at that business. And I I had two weeks off and then um, I was back in the office, like literally two weeks. You know, it's like your first as well. You know, my wife's at home on her own leave it and my my i'd moved to just outside reading by then so i had yeah. my commute was very similar to ben from as you can tell originally from essex but yeah. so my commute is, is doubled so leaving my wife with a two-week newborn going back into the office where i didn't want to go to work like that first month i wanted to be at mm. home but we had to because we were going for a transaction i had to be there driving helping the team because if that's what you know that the business needed at that time i went then see my daughter for three days in a row yeah, and, I, and, and it got to that stage and i was like what am i doing like mm. what the hell am I doing? And it, and I think it, that for then it all just it all comes to that that point in your life is that what is important to you, and what are your drivers? Where do you want to be? And my daughter and my wife and my family are the most important thing to me, right? Out of everything, so that wasn't working for me, and that is the reason why I had to make me and Ben had to make that change at some point when it was right, you know. And, and you that's both, so you were both running considerably decent sized teams in the previous organization, right? Yeah. 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 And I think that the decision to start a business once you've done that, I think you start a different business than people that have gone. I've met a lot of billers who just go straight into it, who've yeah. never managed anyone. And it typically is a completely different company, the way they think. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, based on you've been going just over a year, you're at 20 headcount. You've thought about this in a slightly more methodical. You've, you've already seen the vision of where you wanted it to go, I imagine. So yeah. if you can, if you can give us the... What was that story that you told yourselves or you created when you sat down and was like, we're going to start it? What was the initial plan? And I'll start with Dan on that one. Yeah, the, the first point was we wanted to create a company around things. We, would, we want our staff to do what we want to do, right? Yeah. So we don't want to wear suits. So yeah. our staff definitely don't want to wear suits, right? Mm. We don't want to travel for two hours, three hours a day. We don't want to do that. We want a flexible environment, right? We offer Flex Fridays and stuff like that. We want to work in a collaborative environment. We want so the first thing is that what actually the DNA of the of the company. What is it actually that we want? Because it's important. If we want that, we're going to drive it. And then hopefully, when we talk to our staff and things like that, they'll they'll encompass that culture, and that's really important. And so that was the first thing. But I think changing the status quo, and I think staying. You know, lots of there's lots of great technology recruitment companies out there. But there was a gap for this type of technology. There wasn't a company that done that, and we saw that gap. And I think that is that is the the main crux of it. We saw an opportunity, and it was a small window to create that opportunity. And that then encompassed where we wanted to be. And you know, we can talk about hyper growth, but understanding the niche, looking at the opportunity in five, ten years' time, is it a scalable technology that we can work around, and will we be known? And then all the other fun stuff that we can talk about. That if you've got that idea. Then you're halfway so did there. Did you recruit? Did you recruit IoT in your previous organisation? So IoT is, is a word. It. Yeah, it is, it is a word. And once you understand it, you know, for us, I'll be honest, really... I don't know what it is. <laughs> I was trying it, to it, research it this morning. It yeah, it's, it's the ecosystem is what is actually more interesting, right? And the pillars and etc. But you know, IoT is just interconnected of different devices. But when you actually understand the fundamentals and the impact it's actually having on not just technology but the world, right? You think about it, talking about healthcare talking about industrial revolution, all this stuff that's happening, it's an incredible technology, but it's being supported and supported by 5G, AI. It all works together, and that's where that ecosystem comes in. 
So, you know, we really wanted to be an expert in that space. So where we can come on and com comfortably talk about that with yourself or with, you know, other, 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 other um, employees have done uh, podcasts with leading experts right now. You know, they're talking about their technology. So knowing that, and in my previous company, Sean, and I'll own up, I wasn't a tech expert, right? Mm. I sort of knew what I was recruiting, but it was more about sales, right? I knew that I could sell. And actually, this has been, I've become a lot a better recruiter now than I was in my 10 years in that in this last year because I've had to learn and, and market. And if you really understand the technology, it opens up a completely different area. And I think that's the biggest advice I would say for anyone starting out in recruitment or starting a company or a division is take your time to understand the technology and is it scalable and is there opportunity for growth in that in that market? Because if there is, then learn it, understand it, and you'll be able to have tangible conversations and I think that's key. Don't become, we talk about it a lot in our company, don't become a transactional recruiter, you know, and that's key. And if you can differentiate yourself between that and, and someone else, you're passionate, you know, your tech. It's funny. Um, do you know what? I, that exact comment I, I, I've been using recently to challenge prospects when I speak to them because yeah, everyone tells me they're a business, you know, they're, they're, they're a business where they, they're niche focused, they're experts in their market, they talk confidently. And I'm like, so why, why do you only post jobs on LinkedIn? And they're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, all you do is post jobs, which mm. to me suggests you're transactional. Like online, you look transactional. You don't, you're not offering any value. You're not useful in any way to anyone other than the person who might need that job once. And it's, it's crazy. Like my whole mindset around content and what I do is take all these conversations you have on the phone and publish them talk about them online yeah. right and mm -hmm. the more you've got that knowledge at a desk level and the, the more you, you you can share it online the better the business looks so i love the fact you've said that but it's it's it's, it's amazing how many people think it but don't live it if you yeah, know what I, mean. it's crazy. I think it's being known for something you, you know going back to your original question sean is if you wrote on 50 recruitment companies and you had people ask what are they actually known for and not well, many companies no. that won't know that. You know, their founders will say, well, we're known for this. But actually, ask your staff, what are we known for? Because they, think, they scale through so many divisions in different areas. How the hell are you known for anything? Like, you're just a yeah. recruitment partner, aren't you? Yeah. And that, you know, that's well, That's, great that's what happens to scaling, though, isn't it? I mean, we, we, that's the something to whether you worry about it or whether or not actually it's bringing in other revenue streams. So it's a great thing. But, you know, we've seen a lot of competitors of ours over the years become IT generalists. Yeah. and perhaps kind of lose a little bit. Now, having said that, if that, if they are rolling off the punches and constantly looking at what the future tech is and investing in that, then okay, you know, that's one thing. But can you kind of still bring it back to what you were known for to begin with? Sometimes that technology becomes a bit redundant or a bit legacy and, and say, okay, you know, you've got to move on. Yeah. But there's other times where it's just, what's the next generation of it? What's the next one? Mm. What's the next one? And I think that's where we feel that we can be with with IoT because there are different strands to it. And most of the companies we work with, some of the stuff they're doing, which will impact the environment in, in a great way. I mean, we're working with a company at the moment that are trying to solve kind of drought issues. They are essentially a water utilities like tech company. And they are trying to solve how like by using smart technology, IoT sensor based technology, how do you stop water leakages which are impacting california for example how can they retain that the little water that they do have and and that's a real that's so interesting actually in this day and age particularly with the weather we've been having 
Mm. And, and when you talk to candidates about that and, and you're incorporating a world need with a technology company that are trying to overcome that, what a great sell that is for us. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. That, that mm. stuff makes us, you know, that's passionate stuff right there. You yeah, know? It's yeah. Great. But that's what that's what candidates want now, right? You know, everyone talks about a client or candidate driven market. It's client quality driven. You know, if you think about it, you know, if your client and they really want to work for that client, they'll make it move. We've had candidates that have held offers out for three weeks because of our client is like really making an impact in wherever it is in the industry or the domain. And they get the offer and they accept it on the spot, right? Because we've managed the expectations. It's finding candidates that are really passionate about working for that client. And most importantly, that client has got a real USP, you know, understanding what is actually that client doing. Is it making an impact? And more and more people think over COVID, it's what people want to work for now. Mm. They want to work for companies that are making a positive impact in whatever domain they're doing. So that I think is key. If your clients have a great reputation and brand, but more importantly, they're making an impact positively in whatever it is, candidates will be more drawn to that. Yeah. And they'll hold out on offer offers. You know, I'm not saying everyone, but I think if you've got a good client, good product, and they're making a change, it's a much easier sell to candidates rather than just a standard technology stack. And this is what we're doing, you know? For sure, yeah, for sure. Well, when it comes to the the initial plan then, what was year one's plan? Because you, you're just over it. <laughs> you know, what did you say you wanted to achieve in year one? What did you write, oh, write down? I mean, I, we, we laugh, we laugh about it now <laughs> in, 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 in a great way. I mean, look, when Dan and I set this up, we, we were never, you know, we've, we've got some friends that we've worked with in the past that have set up lifestyle businesses. And that's mm -hmm. brilliant. And that works for them. We didn't want to do that. You know, yeah. we, we wanted to um, take a lot of the experience we've had previously um, and implement that into you know how we want to shape you know our business and we want to scale it and however that looks in terms of in some form of exit perhaps in next five to ten years whatever that looks like we're not going to get too kind of bogged down with that now but mm. you know we want to scale this and make make something of it right um in terms of our first year mr cautious captain cautious over here was... I think we both were, to be fair, right? <laughs> I think we were both like, you know, we hadn't built for a couple of years. So we were like, oh, my we God. Don't know, we, yeah. were like, we were back Can on we the talks again. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we were, well, you say that. I I, I stopped billing in 2013. I then went out to Boston for a couple of years. And the second year of that, I kind of dipped my toe back into it. But, yeah, we were off the tools quite some time. So that was that was a bit of, um, well, that was interesting. But but great, actually. Really enjoyed it. Um we thought we might do 200 grand invoiced, to be honest, Sean, and in year one. That's kind of how low we set our expectations from scratch, brand new market, helped into any old customers with us. We were, you know, totally did things by the book. Um, and then we hit that pretty quickly. Then we thought, well, let's do 400. You know, we'll, we'll be pretty punchy. But we found we kept having to re-forecast every couple of months. And in, in the end, I think the June to June, we invoiced just shy of 1.7 million invoiced. Just the two again? Virtually, yeah. I mean, we had a few people by then. Don't get, obviously, of course we did because yeah. we got 20 people, but a lot of our guys have been fairly you know, inexperienced. Um, so beyond expectations, don't don't get me wrong, and a lot of people have seen this, the market's been a good one, right? Yeah, sure. Post-COVID, there's been a nice kind of you know, backlash, kind of catching up period. And, you know, 70% of our work's in the US and everyone is, seems to be looking at the US now, but we had a, I had experience there. And we've had some really big fees, uh, so that's been 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 great. So, first years beyond kind of expectations. We were too cautious, to be honest with you, Sean. But I prefer to be that. Yeah, way. just being cautious. But I don't know a single firm that would predict 1.7 million from 
Oh, no, I know it's weird. So you've, no. you've, you've, you've literally no. shot it out of the park. What, what did you do? Like, paint the picture for us. Were you both sat together? Were you at home? And, and what was your approach to the job at that point? Yeah, I think, I think firstly, we from day one, we got a little small office, right? So right. in June, like, you know, me and Ben, we talk about big, big company mentality from day one. And we got this, Ben, I laugh because Ben, I not only did I set a business up for, for three months before we moved into our nice, shiny new office, we're at, before we moved into the new one now, I had Ben moaning in my ear every day. I hate this office. I said, well, if we keep bidding and keep doing it, we can move out this office, but we can't move it. So, but it was in a little village. And I, and I remember our first month, Sean, you think about adversity. So uh, I get a phone call from Ben. We're about a week in. We've, we've had a good first week. And um, Ben rings like, you never know, never going to understand what's happened. And I said, what? He goes, I'm in hospital. My youngest has broke his leg. Oh, right. Um, and, I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, how do you do it on a scooter? Like, freak accident, right? And uh, so then for the next four weeks, I think it was Ben. Ben was in a hospital with a laptop billing. I was in this office on my own, right? In, in either the home office or You were allowed to work in a hospital. Have they got, have they got the room? Oh, I'll tell you what, the, the NHS Wi-Fi could do with an upgrade, I tell you. <laughs> Um, I think you should probably put your ALT contacts onto that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had to kind of hotspot where I could. But, I mean, mm. my son was two when it happened. And because he was so young and, and obviously the bones are growing, that you couldn't just put him in a cast or, or, or put pins in or anything like that. So he had a quite a kind of medieval kind of uh, contraption on his leg. You kept him in for a month? They kept him in. They kept him in for a full month. And so my oh. wife and I would just, you know, just dovetail um every other night but so somebody was always with him so yeah i i was basically had my laptop but I, I remember selling a retainer from his hospital bed and i always remember that <laughs> i absolutely i absolutely love that um but yeah no that was as dan says i mean that but did was, you, that was, was your strategy like did you have a lot of clients you already knew did you go candidate no. first Out, was back, it, was, it was it was completely from scratch right and and the best way of doing that is staying niche so we, we picked a niche we've done some research on it you know a lot of research on what we should focus on but we wouldn't know and understand that market until we really got on the phone and speaking so yeah. it was relentless hours right and that is and i'm not i'm not glamorizing that again it's not you know some it, it, it was you know 14 15 hour days and it was being consistent right and it got to a stage when very early on my wife was like you've got to put the phone down on a friday night and i looked at myself and think, yeah what am i doing this for if i can't enjoy the yeah. thing so being consistent what times did you work then based on us um so we would be in so some people do flex hours, but for us, we were in at half eight, at, at, at sometimes quarter past eight, and we wouldn't be logging off till 10 at night. We'd take an hour's break. Um, I would always, I would have an hour to put my daughter down, bath her, that was like religiously at five, like five six, but then we'd be online. Even today, we, we, you know, myself and Ben are still still online fairly much again. And, and that's because we want the business to get to where it needs to be. I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but... We had we have goals, the aspirations, you made, the sacrifice you made, and yeah. and that is that is not right or wrong for founders. But it, it, you know, Stephen Bartlett talks about consistency all the time, right? You could be the best builder in the world, and then you take your foot off the gas. Someone else behind you is just doing the small steps, the one percent every day, and putting yeah. in the hours. You will overcome that. So it's it's just why did we start this business? If we wanted to start this business as a lifestyle business then fine, we can switch off at three o'clock on a Wednesday and go for beers and stuff like that. But that's not what it is. And we treated this as employees from day one. We're an employee of Edison Search. So we had that mentality that we're in at 8.30. We go home at five. What is it? Half five. See our kids for an hour or so. And then we're back online till 10 o'clock at night. Sometimes whatever it needs to be. 
but then customers started coming right and it was, it was west coast we had to do what we had to do and but you think about clients will give you the worst case roles you know it's at the start it's all well and good people saying you know you should be selling retainers let's let's keep it real you know when you're building a business the clients are going to give you the most awkwardest roles they're going you know they're going to want you to prove themselves we had to do that right and that is you had to find a solution and that is absolutely key on the dna of where we are medicine now it's where solution finders whatever we do if a client gives us a tough role there's someone out there we might need to set expectations we're not a yes company but it's setting expectation and delivering at that highest quality you then get in you embed yourself with that relationship and you take it to the next level but you know i see a lot of people talking about startup and founders saying oh you need you, you know you need to make sure you're pushing back and making sure if they're giving you an opportunity and you think it's realistic then you need to deliver. You need to be, you know, whether you're going up against 15 agencies at that point, luckily we weren't because we're super niche, but you need to deliver. So that mentality has to be in in every day, ingrained with you. When you've got a, a tough day, you need to dust yourself down and go again, you know, and that's where it was great. And myself and Ben are very lucky that we've got a really close relationship and we can lean on each other when times are good we can lean on each other and when times, you know, and when they're yeah. bad as well, we can, we can scoop each other up, but you know, it is just being relentless. There's no, there's no other, you can, you can badge it up how you want. It is being relentless and consistent every day and you will get there, whether it takes you two months or 12 months, if you do it day in, day out, you will be successful. And that is just something that. Hey, what I'm was it like do. for you just resourcing again and just having those chats that you've not had in years? Um, I mean, it was, look, because we want to do things by the book, you know, it was, would have been so easy just to have phoned up a couple of old customers, mm. you know, um, and, and I'm sure we probably could have got away with it, but we just didn't want that hassle. You know, starting a business no, is hard enough. No. The last thing we want is a legal letter coming through the post, you know, so we just made that decision from day dot. We're not going to do that. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it was hard graft, obviously, to kind of to, to, to begin with, um, and particularly recruiting a slightly different tech tech space but actually i enjoyed the freedom of it because my life was bogged down in you know my mondays would just be a write-off it would be just meeting weekly meetings with the guys which would take all day and that's fine don't get me wrong but it was nice to have a break and actually feel a little bit in control and you know run your desk again and i, I really enjoyed some of those conversations i'm sure i was a little bit rusty from time to time but you know it's like riding a bike recruitment isn't it you know you did i mean i was billing for years years and years so, you know, you certainly kind of came, came back to it. But, but funny enough, you know, Dan and I still are doing it now. But, you know, our aim is we don't want to be the top billers here. You no. know, not, 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 not for very long. You know, that, that's not how you're going to scale a business. We, we want to essentially come off the tools, um, pass that out, feed the guys and bring them to be hopefully better than us. You know, I, I know people that started up recruitment businesses five, ten years ago and they're still the top billers. Um, and, and, and actually, you know, I learned from that, 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 that would worry me. They wonder, well, they wonder why they don't grow. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah they, they don't release yeah. anything. So know? we knew, we knew this as a short term thing, to be honest, yeah. in, in that sense. Cash in the bank. So you, what point in the year did you go, well, we need to start hiring now? Cause you must be, you know, the invoices are coming through. There's, I'm sure your overheads weren't well, ridiculously first, high. We moved office first, didn't we? I think, was it, was it August? We made that move to the, September, to September we moved to, from just outside Reading to Basingstoke. Um, and then we hired, that was September. And then 1st of October, our first two people started, didn't they? Yeah, Jack, Jack and Harry, yeah. And then shortly yeah. after that, we hired an operations manager, which was caused a, uh, quite a few interesting conversations about how soon do you hire like an operations and HR person? We've got some great advice around that, saying do it as early as possible, get your processes in place. 
and be ahead of the game. Rather, and also, Dan and I could focus on sales and not get bogged down in those extracurricular you know, yeah. activities you have to do as a business owner. And that worked very well, and that helped us scale. And every, every you know, every, since October, basically, we've been new people have been starting every month. I'm interrupting today's episode to bring you a message from our sponsor, Vincere. Vincere, the all-in-one recruitment platform for the most innovative recruitment agencies on the planet. And they've put together a free CRM buyer's guide for you to read because so many recruitment leaders are looking to upgrade CRMs. But before you sign the contract, be sure to read the terms at least twice. There's so many common traps that you need to watch out for. So not understanding the pricing model is one that always comes up. Discounts limited to only the first year of a contract length is something that companies will throw. What are monthly contracts all about? Could this mean flexibility for the vendor to raise the price in the future? And how is your data hosted? Where is it? Is it anything outside your country? And could it mean compliance and legal issues for you down the line? So you will see the web address to get that right next to this episode Wherever you're watching this episode, whether it's on LinkedIn, whether it's Apple, Spotify, YouTube, just look below, you'll see the link, click the link and get that free guide. You will not regret learning all of these hacks before making your decision and locking yourself into a new contract with a new supplier. And what what's the story you're telling them? And what's the profile and what's the profile you're going for? Because it, it's very, you know, there's a lot of different ways to grow a recruitment firm. What's your... Yes, it's two two questions. Firstly, what's the profile? Secondly, what's the story you're convincing them? Originally, like we had a profile in previous business, right? It was your natural, right? You know, we all know well, if you work hard, certain backgrounds, you should be successful. It's natural. But I look at our company now and that's completely changed the status quo. We've got individuals that um have, you know, mums that have got two children, still do the school runs, and she's one of our top billers. Like she's doing so well, right? So she's balancing being a mum, being a wife, and billing the US market. And but that again, so you know, and she's always said to us, I would never have thought I would have got into recruitment. You know, she was a scrum master. Really? She was a scrum master. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And and she saw um I think uh she saw an ad or, or something said I you know, we're hiring and, and Hannah spoke to her and she's I've always wanted to get into into that side of, of actually consulting and recruiting and um, never think never had the confidence never and then chance and um, never found a company that would give me the opportunity so think about then completely different um we've got other individuals that um you know are college leavers which is you know natural certain profiles yeah then we've got individuals that used to sell in yeah, sold insurance for 10 years and then now have moved in have moved into recruitment and and focused on that um it, it is just before you asked me that two years ago, I would have said, this is what you wanted it. But now it's completely thrown me off because I don't know. I don't there's, know what there's, there's also kind of two two kind of big factors with that as well, Sean, which is A, our catchment area. So, yeah. you know, we're not in central London where there's a recruitment agency in every corner. We're in Basingstoke where there isn't so many tech recruitment agencies that are kind of level around us. I mean, there's like two or three to be honest you've got a bunch of other agencies that are in different industries or you know your kind of high street ones so it's not that easy to actually go and headhunt or try and approach people from uh, an, in a competitor around the corner the other thing is it kind of goes back to the basis of thing i mean dan just mentioned um the hire that we made who, who was a, a salesforce scrum master um because of her her responsibilities at home there's no way she could get on a train from Basingstoke to go into London every day and come back again. It just wouldn't no. work family life. There's no way. Same as our operations manager, young young kid, ain't going to happen. 
So we've given that that opportunity, that platform to the local community here. And actually, it's not something we initially thought of, but now we're really bought into it. We are trying to improve and build relationships with the local community. We've got a relationship with the Basingstoke Gazette. I mean, who, th who would have thought that? You know, the local <laughs> kind of newspaper. We, we, we won a, um, a regional um, startup business award, which, which was the, the, um, the ceremony, award ceremony was at Reading University. I mean, this kind of stuff that we never really thought about when we set the business up. But actually, yes, not being in London impacts us in some ways. But actually, I think being in Basingstoke benefits us in other ways we never would have kind of imagined yeah yeah and that's and not to say that one day we'll put an office in london we probably will you know we're, we're missing that catchment of essex and kent and and, and parts of you know Berkshire. yeah if, i don't know if you listened to the episode i did recently with lawrence and elliot from arto who are very similar to you two they're they're 20 staff at almost identical time they yeah. were at um they're at faden for 10, 15 years went through transactions and and they used to travel in from Kent from Margate and that was the same sort of three hour door to door not yeah. not one hour hour and they've done the same thing in in um, in Canterbury and I went down to their office in Canterbury place called Sandwich actually they're moving into Canterbury and it's it, I mean I, I think it's genius personally and you know trying to be the number one employer for for people to have a life changing career in in an area like Basingstoke you, you're not competing. No. You're not going to be competing like you are in London. And well, there's got to be enough people to grow the, you know, 50, 60, 70 heads or whatever you're trying to achieve in that, in that region. Yeah. Has to be. Yeah. I think, well, I think what is nice is that we're always going to be really true to ourselves. And that is we are a Basingstoke company that does the U.S. market. Yeah. Right. There's no one that does that out there. We had, we had a candidate that applied for us the other day and he said, oh, I heard about you because someone was talking about a, a specific technology recruitment company doing the US market out of Basingstoke. It's like, I don't know that. You know, there's other competitors that do UK markets, but I don't know any company around there that does that. They might yeah. have US offices, but com that companies do that. So yeah, and, and that's been lovely. You know, I think you talk about challenges without hiring and scaling. To be totally transparent, the first two were fairly fairly easy because they were known to us. Um, the next hires, we had, we had Hannah that joined us, but that next stage of that four, four to seven, was actually harder than scaling from 10 to 20 because we had people that had joined us because they known us, so they know about us. But after that, attracting talent, we were a, we were a flight risk. We'd been we'd been trading for four months, you know. We were doing the US market, so people were looking at that and thinking, well, is it is it are they proven? And we had four or five people. So actually getting people to buy into that vision. Now it's it's easier, you know, you yeah. got 20 people, VI is more of an established business. That was tough. Me and Ben looked at each other and think, are we going to be able to grow this? You know, we got to four or five pretty quickly. And then we're like, oh, my God, we, we had guys, we had a, a really, really good individual that rejected the offer, went into London. You know, we still talk, um, really good guy. But we were just weren't established enough. And that's totally cool. We got that. But that was, I think, Ben, you'd agree. That was actually a, a real time when we looked at each other and think, Have great, we made that numbers, but can, can we attract people? Well, you know, I think part, now. part of it is now we those couple of you know, like I said, there's, there's a handful of more established, bigger agencies that arguably we do kind of compete against, um, and we have managed to attract three, four, five people from those companies, and they were kind of working patches, you know, designated a patch in the UK, say you know Cornwall and Devon, and their average fees were maybe like six, seven k. 
they've come here and they've you know it's the world's opened up and they're working across the us and their average fee is like 18 19k and it's been a real you know life changer for them and so suddenly people start to see that go oh they've moved from that company to edison why would they do that and that's actually opened up some doors and some you know better conversations so How we need is it, what has been the route is it you know, you Rectorex, is it word of mouth? What, what's been the different routes you've been using to get people? We, we've, we've paid one Rectorex fee, and that was for our operations manager. Uh, yeah. All the consultants here have been through referrals or through our own talent acquisition endeavors. So we, we, we have got a talent acquisition manager, um, and she's been fantastic. She's been with us for a few months now. Again, um, a referral. She used to work in recruitment for a long time. She then settled down, had a couple of kids. And she works with us part-time, kind of mm -hmm. three three days a week. And that works for her and that works for us. And that's a great balance. And again, you know, she was applying at one point for some jobs in London and they couldn't offer the flexibility. So she's been brilliant. Her. She's been absolutely brilliant as well. Like she's full time, but she's like, you know, she's yeah. on she's a 24-7 hour, like, but you know, it works for her. But she's um like part-time but i mean full-time as in she's just always she's relentless like absolutely relentless but she loves it she's so passionate when she talks about the business like and that's what we we want to give a platform for people to feel like they love coming to work i think that's really important we don't want to forget that that we you know recruitment is recruitment and it, it's tough but it's also brilliant it yeah. is a brilliant brilliant um job and it creates so much opportunity for individuals so um and yeah, and I think, and that is, we all come back to, again, is being remembered and we're talking to trying to scale and, and, and attracting people is we can put the vision in front of us and, but we're going to have, we, we knew that we had to grow organically and that has been challenging, like managing time around getting people that are green up and running, managing our business, managing the business as well. Um, we've had great people around us that can help us and guide us. And we've got a trainer now that, that's, that provides support for us and guidance, which is great. But again, it's it's that's going to take time, and we knew that. That and you've got to be patient. You know, you've got to be patient with these people. It's not three months, six months seeing revenue. It'd be great, and and a lot of the team are. You know, after two, three months, even one, you know, four weeks, it took someone to do the first three sixty deal. But again, you've got to be patient, and you've got to understand that. You know, we've got eleven years experience. We can't expect them to be doing that from day dot. Mm -hmm. It's going to take them six to twelve months. So I think if you've got that patience, organic growth is great. Um, and you supplement that with senior hires. But, you know, the market's been boring for 18 months. Who's going to want to move? Because they've got big commission checks. They've got, if you're a contract filler, good NFI. So, again, that's that decision that we had to make very quickly. It's like, okay, we're going to have to do this organically. You know, we've got what to make did sure you, So, what I've already picked up in the, you know, you've not been going for very long, but you've got operations, you've got talent Finance. acquisition, you've got training in some form. Yeah, I think you've got marketing as well, haven't you? So yeah, I've got finance as well. When at what point did you build? And I imagine Ben, that was probably what you got involved in more. But what um, at what point did you build? At what point do you think a company should build that operational layer that supports everything? Well, we got some really good. We look, Dan and I um, kind of begged, sold, and borrowed right at the beginning as much free advice as we could get. And fortunately, yeah. through throughout careers, you know, we've met a lot of successful people being there done it got the t-shirt and so really we just went around when we're doing our due diligence talking to people and trying to understand what would you do what mistakes have you seen if you were to do it again tell us how you'd kind of plan it out so we were quite fortunate in in that sense but we were pretty thorough with it and there were a couple mm -hmm. of real golden nuggets in there and i think one of them was outsource as soon as you can 
obviously you've got to have the money in the bank. So that's that's obviously a job in itself. But outsource as soon as you can because you've got to stay focused on sales. And if you mm-hmm. find yourself getting bogged down in trying to do a VAT return or yeah. you know trying to do your own website or something like that, which is taking you away from your day-to-day sales, then you're going down the wrong direction. And I think loads of people have probably made that mistake. So I was really pleased that we got that advice from multiple people. So we took that on board. Um, as I mentioned earlier, um, the operations manager advice was great. Um, a lot of people said to us, you're doing that too early. You know, why are you doing that now? Um, and not a cheap hire to make either. Um, that was some great advice. I think the outsourcing part, and as I say, you know, our, our finance manager is somebody that we worked with previously. So he's, he's known, he's trusted, right? I mean, we're dealing with our finances here. He's trusted. He works probably five five days between five and ten days a month for us um we've got i say our part-time talent acquisition we outsource all our website and all our kind of marketing material is done by that same person who did our website and also mm-hmm. slash our it support so kind of wears a lot of right. so is that thinking like a big company you know that's the other piece we got think of that big company mentality get those processes and everything in place as long as you've got the money to do it i i know that yeah, sometimes that advice goes That's out key. the window if you're struggling with invoices to begin with. But I, I was listening to um, a podcast recently um, with Simon LaFosse of LaFosse, right? You know, great, great mm. company. I had him uh, on years yeah. ago, yeah. Legend. Yeah, great, great guy. Um, listened to a few things that he's done. Um, and he was just talking about the fact that, you know, don't worry about how you're going to send an invoice out. You'll overcome that get the invoice to send out first, you know, get yourself into that position. And I think there's so many startups that just get bogged down in the nice fluffy stuff and looking at your logo designs and, you know, what's they your enjoy all that shit. Yeah. And then they've got to get on with recruiting. <laughs> but, but, yeah, exactly. and, that, and that's key. And that's actually, and, and you talk about it. Where do you want the company to be in six months? I think if you keep looking in six month blocks, the yeah. work that you're doing now, you've got a vision and a strategy, you know exactly where the business will be in six months then the work you're doing now, you know that will be taken care of. Like we knew that bringing in an ops manager early doors, we already had a plan of where we needed the business speed to six months. If we were in that stage six months of ops manager, it would have been, well, one, it would have affected our numbers massively. We wouldn't have been able to get that revenue in. And two, it would have massively impacted the onboarding for all of our staff. And, you know, we, and and then, and to this date, you know, we, we've got all our workforce still working for us and we've hired. And that's really, really important. I think that comes down to the experience of that early doors, the training, the philosophy, the support, the guidance. And they, you know, everyone remembers that. You know, I'm sure, Sean, you remember your first job, right? And mm-hmm. was it a good experience? Was it a bad experience? Yeah, you might be upset, but I think that's important that we do that. And you've got to keep looking in there six months. But, but Ben's right. You can only do that if you're bringing the revenue in. If you're not bringing the revenue in, then it's all well and good having these plans, but it comes back full circle. You've got to bring the money in first. Sounds like you've balanced it well. What, what, what have you got wrong? Like, what would you look back and go? In hindsight, that was a bad call, or we could have done that sooner or later. What, what would you say wasn't so good? Uh, I think gone, Ben. You go loads, by the way. I, I, I'd say, <laughs> I'd say that um, at times we should have been more aggressive with our hiring. Um, yeah. Dan, Dan and I are quite cautious and we have, you know, almost like we, come, we can sleep easily if we've got a certain amount of money in the bank. Yeah, yeah, Whereas yeah. other people, we've had some advice, people would go, you've got, you've got, you know, that capital in the bank. It's just sat there. What are you doing? You know, you've got to reinvest it, um, which sounds like a nice kind of problem to have. But it's, it, Dan and I, we want that safety net. We want that kind of comfort. I'm the same as you, I think. 
you know, know and, and I think we could probably be, even though it sounds, oh, you know, after 14 months, you're at 20 people, it sounds quite aggressive. I think we could have been a bit more aggressive. I think also we could have invested in some of our um, kind of technology, some of our tools for the guys a bit sure, earlier. Yeah. Um, I mean, really, you know, because we are so niche, things like job adverts, you know, just don't work for us. You're just not going to get the applications. Um, we should have switched to like LinkedIn recruiter for all of the guys way sooner than we did, you yeah. know? Um, so operationally where we feel we've got some good processes stuff in place, I think we could have pulled the trigger and things earlier. Um, things like, funny enough, we've got Vin Cherry, your sponsor, um, which has been great for us, but actually we, Dan and I should have become better kind of subject matter experts with Vin Cherry and we're not, we've kind of, our probably the old schoolness in us you know our operations managers kind of great at that and the guys are kind of learning we, we we should have embedded ourselves a bit more in that but we were too busy you know trying to do some some deals the, the other thing is we've hardly got out on the road yet to see some of our customers you know everything's open again now right there's none, none of this kind of restrictions a little bit on, on the odd flight but because most of our clients are in the u.s um it's quite a big deal right go right we're going to be out for a week you know we're going to be yeah, going yeah. to new york and in, in atlanta see you in a week's time and dan and i just kind of like we don't want to leave the office for a week you've got too mm. much to do so there's some kind of bigger strategic decisions we need to make there because it's not just going around the corner to have a lunch with a client it's in but, bigger costs even though you can't supplement face to face you can never beat face to face but but you've proven already you can build to the point where you are without it. So I'm the same. This podcast was built on face-to-face, -face, but since the pandemic, I went remote with it. And I've been asked so many times recently, can we do it face-to-face? -face? I say no. And it's a personal decision. I don't, I, I don't want the travel at the moment. I might change my mm. mind, but with the decision I've made personally with the family I'm creating, I'm getting married, I'm best man at my business partner's wedding. I've got shitloads going on. Those days of sitting on a train or a plane or whatever, just to record something that I could do remotely, just doesn't it doesn't add up for me right now. Um, and I think you, as a business of, of my 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 estimation, is you've made some really clever decisions so far, really fucking clever. And you'll know when that you know you'll know when the time is to if the time comes to change that. Um, it's crazy, but um, in terms of the team's hours, how do you manage that? being you know if i'm a, if i'm new coming to work for you what can i expect it's a really good question so we do work flexi so like at the moment they're in 8 30 we've just launched our contract solution as well which right. actually you talk about i think we should have launched that sooner personally mm. i think we're looking back on that but because myself as a contract builder, i've had the high success in the us right so um uh, it's very hard to walk away from that very early on but now we've got the infrastructure where we've got some good billers that are taking over a lot of those accounts and, and doing better job bet, much better job than me to be honest i'm not very good with accounts but i think mm. launching contract solution was really important but the working hours 8 45 till 5 30 um and then that's it right and it's down to your business and it's an adult environment and we work the us market and we've proven that actually those hours work because we've got to that stage. Whether or not in two or three years' time is another conversation, right? But what, what works right now is that the staff are brilliant. They We know they go above and beyond what they want to do. They're also, you know, we, we operate a really, a really high-level commission structure. So, you know, we've got one of the lads, Jack, that is, is, is doing, he's killing it. He's absolutely killing it. 360 consultant, eight months experience. He's, uh, he's on six figures, right? Six figures billing. It's unbelievable, right? What, I've never seen it. Never seen it in a perm environment ever. Um, 
But again, we we trust them. And if a client I know calls them at seven o'clock in the morning, we don't. If they're in at nine o'clock or nine thirty, that we've got a WhatsApp group. They just drop a message saying, "Hey, running late or whatever." But we never pull them up around them. If they told us where that, if they went missing for three hours, we'd be like, "Hey, where you're at?" But it's having that adult environment, and we in know the evening are they, are they expected to work in the no. evening? No, 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 no. There's no, no expectation. No. But, but down to their business, do. right? Like it's a commission job, and you know, you're dealing with 20, 30, 40K fees, 50K fees sometimes, and they know that. And if they need to make a quick phone call while they're out for dinner with whatever, that's fine, but they what about know just sitting, What about just sitting there resourcing, though? If, like, if, they, yeah, I th- I think, a job call, if a job comes in at two in the afternoon, and I yeah, mean, they, the contract will be a yeah. lot more aggressive. Um, but. but again, the, the business is 5.30, right? Outside of that, when we sit with them in their weekly, they know what their business needs. So it's an adult environment. We don't, we don't sit on top of them and saying, you need to do 15 hours on the phone this week. It's not the way we operate. It's not how we want to run this business. People having an opportunity to express themselves in a great established environment. But this is just a box. The office is just a box. It's a culture. It's an environment. But in the evenings, a good, any good recruiter is always working. Even if you work, you're, you're expected to finish at six. You know, you're still working in the evenings. I'm sure you're checking your emails and stuff. It's just part and parcel of, of the game. I think, I think what there's, it no is, there's no expectation on that for sure. I think what it is, Sean, is that I know um, there'll be some people listening to this um, and their their view from the outside would be, it just doesn't make sense. You know, East Coast come online about one o'clock at lunchtime. West Coast are online about four o'clock and you're leaving at 5.30. That doesn't kind of make sense. And what we've learned and what I'd say is this. I know other agencies that we used to compete with who work the US markets and, and tweak their hours. And so they would come in at maybe midday or 11 or something. But they wouldn't be finishing until 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night. Those teams didn't work out. There was a high turnover of staff or it just in the, in the end, it just kind of petered out. And the main reason being is because it decimates social life and certainly family life over a period of time. Decimates it. So we, I don't wanna do, we didn't want to do that on day one. So what we try to do is instill a culture where we are not a kind of call report type organization um we are one that offers an adult environment where if you need to make a phone call at eight o'clock at night in the luxury of your kitchen or lounge and you put the football on mute to take a phone call with a candidate that looks really good that could earn you a few grand in commission are you going to do that now fortunately so far we haven't had anyone that has pushed back on that you know, they can see that there is absolutely the benefits for themselves by willing to kind of go that extra mile. Um, and I think nowadays, you know, everybody would, you know, everyone's got a smartphone and so forth. They've got all the guys got laptops that, you know, you check in your emails from time to time. You want to be responsive. If somebody's suddenly not going to turn up to an interview in half an hour, you can kind of get that, you know, resolved. And then, by, then as Dan says, by offering the flexibility, if you want to come in a bit later, you know, no problem. Sometimes the guys will leave a bit early because they got a call to make at six o'clock. And it's like, yeah, cool, go, go home now. Do, you know, do the call at home, no problem. The guys, a lot of the guys go to the gym. They're out the office for an hour and 15 minutes at lunchtime. Brilliant. You know, we want to kind of absolutely encourage all of that stuff. And if we can give them all of this autonomy and grown-up environment and benefits and so forth, then hopefully they'll be absolutely comfortable with doing going the extra yard in the evenings or some some evenings and so far that seems to be happening now not naive enough to think that as we scale the business we will probably hire some people that actually start pushing back 
and they don't want to do that. But the other thing is we've just launched our contract division and our contract division is to be focused on Europe to begin with. So we do have some people here that actually get in a bit earlier. Europe's one hour ahead. They get in for maybe half seven, eight o'clock and they're going to comfortably finish by five, five thirty. And actually they don't need to be doing too much in the evening anyway. So maybe those people are better suited to our contract division and so forth. So we'll figure it out. But we're not naive enough to know that this is you know, the one, the only way it's going to work. But as again, I chuck in the fact we're in Basingstoke. The guys have 20 minute you know, commutes. Some of the guys even walk to the office. You know, they they. It, their whole work-life balance seems to be, you know, there for them at the moment. It's, it's, it's just, it's just respecting that them as individuals, right? And you know, everyone's got a life outside of work, and we happily do calls for them in the evening. We're always encouraging them. If you can't do the call, don't worry, we'll do it for you. It's all good. Like, we're, you know, there's no expectation ever, right? You need to be on this call. We always ask, and I think that's really important as a business owner or manager, is that you ask rather than demanding. Can you, you know, you're going to do this call, right? Or it's, are you, are you able to jump on this phone tonight? Are you able to do that call? If not, I'm happily do it. And I think that's really important. It needs to start from the it needs to start from the top. Myself and Ben are still very much on the tools and we'll happily have those conversations with clients, candidates. If our staff can't do it, and there's no expectation. You know, if they can't yeah. do a call at 10 o'clock and I don't expect them to be doing that. But if they want to, it's a different conversation. That's cool. But staff well-being and staff, staff um happiness is a number one priority. Number one, you know, I'm sure you've seen our socials. Got a great social media manager, my wife, but uh, she's got she's going on um she's going on maternity leave like literally now. But you look at the things that we do, and we don't take it to, to take stuff too seriously. You've got to have fun. We switch off. Like yeah, we're growing a business, but it's important that people enjoy it. And I come back to what I said earlier. We want people to enjoy coming to work and and feeling like that they have a value and they're able to have a choice in what they do. And that nine to five is dead. It's dead now. You know, COVID has proven that many companies can be successful whatever hours you do, whether you're six yeah. hours or 10 hours. So, um, also, the, yeah, that the power of LinkedIn as well. Like, you can spend a lot of time using LinkedIn to set up those calls. You know, you might yeah. only have three or four really good calls in the afternoon, but you've spent all, spent all yeah. morning engaging with people, ready so that when it comes yeah. online, you know, you've, you're using your time better, right? How, yeah. Sean, how have you, you, you talked to obviously a lot of business owners? Um, I know a few companies that are central London based who post COVID have really, really struggled to get their staff back into the office. Certainly, yeah. you know, been looking at hybrid and some kind of form of working from home or making it optional. But then it going one step further and some people not wanting to do the classic kind of eight till six, you know, kind of hours in, in, in recruitment and then jump on a train or whatever. And I actually feel sorry for those London based agencies. I'm glad I'm not there at the moment because I think that's a real headache of how to structure that and manage to keep everybody happy. I think it's a really, really difficult task. What are you seeing when you talk to people? I think I think it starts at the top. I think it always starts at the top. And I think you've got to you've got to decide on how on how you want your business to be to operate. And the the owners that have a clear vision for what they expect and want to create will are typically doing better than those that have kind of just left it to people to do like the flexibility bit is really important now that if even if you have a structure people you know ask you know i ain't gonna work for me i can't be there on tuesday at that time whatever then i think everyone's just the flexibility has gone 100 percent higher than it was pre-covid yeah. i still think it's important to have a vision for how you operate it's like anything it's like buying vincere or buying you know my training other training like if you just buy tools and go or, or have a have a business and go do what you want, guys. As long as you're building 200 grand a year or 300 grand, I don't give a fuck what you do. I, I don't believe in that methodology. I think yeah. you've got to have a it's like a it's like a football manager just buying the best players in the world and just letting them play. 
Yeah. Guardiola doesn't do that, you know. Look, I'm watching the All or Nothing with Arsenal at the moment, which, are, you know, I love Arteta and based on his time with City. And, and, I, and I just think it's great the way he talks to the players and the vision he's got and the passion he's got and the decision to let Aubameyang go, I thought was brilliant. And it all comes back to the top. So the businesses I see doing well are the ones that have kept a structure in some form that, that they believe in. And those that are kind of yeah. too open and I think they're struggling, like you say. Yeah. Um, the tail can't wag the dog. Yeah, you can have flexibility and you've got to think about staff well-being, but I think you've got to make a call. Like It's funny, isn't it? Because even if you've got this hybrid approach, the one fundamental change is almost every meeting still has to happen online. Yeah. Because you can rarely have everyone in the same room. So it's like, even if people are sat there, they're still on the fucking headset on a Zoom call. And it's, that's a weird change. You know, that's a yeah, really no, that strange is. thing. That that's hasn't it. It's, that, yeah, it's, yeah, it's interesting because you talk about, because we operate four days in the office and then Flex Fridays, so they can work wherever they want. I'd say 85% of the, the people now come in the office on a Friday. And like, there's no there's no expectation. We've said work from home. I was on a yeah, call last week. I don't know about you, I always love Fridays in the office. Yeah, yeah a, they, they all love it. They go, they go in the, the morning on Friday that you can't beat. Yeah, right. it's good. And, and I think, again, culturally, it's like we, we've given them them option, but they want to come in. They want to socialise. They want to go for a, a drink at lunch. Like, that's cool. Like, it's, it's whatever you want to do. But, you know, you talked about the leaders at the top. You, you want to give that flexible environment, but we are in a sales role and collaboration and hearing people and learning from people around you is personally what I think is works in a sales environment. You know, you've got to offer that flexibility, but too much at home in an office environment. Are you improving? You know, someone yeah. doing something brilliant that you could implement and that's just getting that balance right for sure. I don't question any methodology as long as the, the top believes in it and roll it out. I think it all, it can work. I think yeah. there's so many it, ways it can work. It's when you don't, you're not clear on what you want. Like we, we've, got a, we've got a remote business with WeWork all over the world. And we've said we're not going back to being an office space. It's not happening, right? Yeah. We fundamentally have made that decision as a company, which means the profile of people we need has changed. And yeah. we can't really take that graduate that wants to be in an office. Like, it's just not going to work for, yeah, for us. So we've had to evolve and the maturity of the team is different. And and it's what we want to do. You know, if we'd have been like, oh, maybe we'll get one office here and trial this, I don't think it'd work. We're just like, look, there's WeWork licenses if people want them. I've got my own little fake WeWork that I use uh, a couple of days a week. But fundamentally, we're a remote company. And I think as yeah. long as you have that, it works. And, yeah. But you're consistent, right? And I think that's massive. Like the inconsistencies is where businesses have problems. And I think, you know, if you're consistent from day dot and you are flexible, but you're consistent with whatever it is, there's no right or wrong. If you're consistent at home, that's cool. Yeah. But then you can't expect after four years to pull everyone into the office and expect everyone to be happy and, and vice versa. If, you, you know, from day dot, you've had two or three days remote and then, you know, you want people to be in the office or vice. It's like, just be consistent. And then people will respect that. And then they know that it's either going to, you know, you're going to join that company because that works or not. And that's all right. You know, and I'm not saying our, our, our way is right or your way or other people's is ours are wrong it's just what works for us and it might be needed to tweak i don't know but it's all that learning curve you know we're outside our comfort zone every day you know and and that's the exciting thing about running a business but also the, the scary thing as well about everything it's mad where, where do you my final question is where because i think we've done a lot of the family stuff already like i usually end with that but i kind of like i feel like i already know the your mindsets around your kids and your wives and the, the whole piece what what is the vision? Like from now, you've done an unbelievable job. 
where do you see the next 12 months? What's the, and then you mentioned five to 10 years not getting caught up. So where's the next year? What If we brought you back on the rag in a year, where do you think you'll be? I think that we've, um, we've moved into a new office uh, a month or two ago because we had three office moves already and we feel as if we needed a bit of stability. So we, we've got a, a place now that we've managed to kind of make our own and we've got the desks that we can fill up. So mm-hmm. you don't moan about this office either now, do you, Ben? Either. Oh, you like this <laughs> he's finally smiling. He's finally got a grin on his face. Yeah, yeah. there's not, not damp climbing the walls, that's why. Um, <laughs> this this office allows us to kind of really just build out our HQ, you know, and and, and just continue our relationship with, with the local community and hire from it and, and kind of just embed ourselves. So I'd say I, I'd imagine if we spoke in 12 months' time, we hopefully have filled up some more desks here. The big thing for us is going to be us expansion ultimately we do want to do that um i lived out in the us in boston for a couple of years and that i loved it and i loved other people here to have that experience um even if they just wanted to do it for a short period of time i think to be able to give that option to our staff yeah i think is a real value add and helps us retain staff as well um we've already had you know there's one particular employee here and the dream of her and her husband is to relocate to America. They've always wanted to do that. And we want to make that happen for her. You know, there's still some, we need to help her get there and equip her with the right skill sets to do that. But that is something that we've always, we've made a pact, you know, we want that to happen. I'd love to see that happen. Um, but again, you know, the methodical approach in me is that I want to get everything lined up because the US isn't, you don't just go and plug and play, particularly in the contract world, you need to have different licenses for every state and so forth. And, you know, we want to make sure that we are fully geared and invested into the US and where that's going to be as well um, is is open for, for debate. Um, so that will hopefully happen. The planning for that will be Q1. So hopefully, you know, that 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 will be uh, the next step of our success. But just keep keep getting better known for our IoT expertise and continue of the branding, continue you know, we'll start going to some of the, the bigger industry events and getting ourselves out there a little bit more. I think that's really what the next 12 months looks like for yeah, us. I think, I think just get, answering your question really directly, Sean, um, I think double headcount would be really where, agree, totally agreeing with Ben, is getting out of meeting and embedding ourselves in, in events and customers, being a, a well-known brand in the US market, having a US operations and having a successful, fully functioning contract solution business so we can offer different parts of, of different solution areas. So, you know, 12 months from now, double headcount, US operations, contract solutions, split revenue between 60, 40, 50, 50 would be, would be, you know, ideal for where we need to be in the next, by the end of the, the next. The US months. will open up a branch in the, in the next 12 months, you think? We, yeah, that's, that, that, that's the plan. Yeah, that's definitely the plan. That we, we had our first sales conference last month. Um, Dan and I have been used to sales conferences annually for a long, long time. And, and we feel it's a really good platform, really big event. You know, I, I see it as our biggest company event of the year, bigger than like the Christmas party. And, and I think all the guys really enjoyed it. Many of them have not had a sales conference before and there were awards and all sorts of things that um, made it a memorable day. But the one thing that we did is we launched something called Project 24. And this is basically a very transparent overview of the business in terms of the organizational chart where we see people being plotted in the business the teams that we're going to have team leaders opportunity and so forth and it's where we want to be at the end of 2024 that project 24 is going to be talked about and referred back to and put up in lights every day every week 
for the next couple of years to our business. So we are all in it together. We know exactly where we want to be. And hopefully by the end of project 2024, we've hit exactly by 2004, we've hit what we, what, what we wanted to do. And I think that's so important for the guys here to understand the direction we're going, our purpose, why we want to get there mm -hmm. and what it looks like. Yeah, the opportunity so to do that because I think that's one thing that Dan and I, no one, nobody here could probably say that we're not a transparent owners. I think we are, and and we've Dan and I have had experience of working with bosses in the past that sometimes there was transparency, sometimes there wasn't, and I think we've also had experience where where our our companies that we work with didn't it got lost. People didn't know yeah. the purpose. People didn't know the yeah. mission. People didn't know where yeah. we want to be in the next one year, three years, five years. And that's something that we really, really feel important, you know, passionately about. That they know, you know, they can make decisions based on that. Clarity's king, right? Clarity's what king. We work, yeah, what are we working towards? What are they working towards? What's the opportunity look like? It's massive. Mm -hmm. That's that's the reason why you build a business. Amazing. Look, guys, my final question I forgot to ask at the start. What what where's Edison Search from? What's that mean? Uh, <laughs> I usually ask it at the beginning. I was like, I don't know. I'm not <laughs> we played we played around of trying to incorporate Dan's name or my name into it, but all all he come up with was like, you know, Wallcox, Wally Cox, Cox Wall, <laughs> and it just didn't sound right. Theo <laughs> Wally Cox, I like that. One. Yeah, just didn't sound right. So in the end, we just went for something just totally different, and you know. Thomas Edison, light bulb, you know, idea, creativity, you know, it's kind, of been, yeah. it's kind of been done. A lot of companies got it out there, but it sounded professional. It sounded, you know, okay to us. So we, we just brand of that. Um, you can spend all day, well, you spend weeks kind of thinking about different names, but we just thought, let's just get it done. And You know, though, we, don't we, you? you know, when you get one, you just know, like you do. Yeah, you 100%, just, 100%. 100%. Yeah, definitely. And, and you've seen the background of Ben, like the little yes. As soon as we we got that crafted from our guy that done on the website, I was like, yeah, this is this is brilliant. Love it. Yeah, Amazing. Guys, thank you so much. Today's episode has been incredible. I've loved every second of it. You remind me of plenty of other owners I've met that have done amazing things, but you're doing it in your own way. And I love that. you got your own unique, you know, it's a similar classic story. Two great recruiters, perm and contract coming together. Like it, it's been done before. But some of the things you've said today around the, your, your vision around the location and the way you pick the US market, the hours you work, you know, I've, I've not I've not heard a lot of this stuff. So I'm sure there's so much value to give to our listeners. So thank you so much for the time. Um, if anyone did want to pick your brains, wanted to ask you any questions, wanted to work for you, um, which would be an amazing <laughs> outcome. Uh, would you say is LinkedIn OK? Just drop your note on there because I'll tag you in everything we do. Yeah, yeah anytime. Guys, I, we, I'm definitely going to have you back on in 12 to 18 months. And in fact, I, you know, I want to see how Project 24 goes. I want, I want you in, in, I want you on in November, December 2024. If, if, hopefully the podcast will still be uh, <laughs> flourishing. I, I want you guys back on to see, to see how it's gone. All right. Yeah, yeah we'd like to do Thanks, that. Sean. Thank you very much for having us, Sean. Really appreciate oh, yeah. it. Thanks, Sean. Legend. Appreciate Cheers, it. Guys. Thank you, as always, for listening to today's show. I truly, truly hope that you got value from it. That's the only reason I take time every week is to ensure that my audience, future and existing recruitment owners are learning from each other to make this industry that I love so much stronger. Today's episode was brought to you by Hoxo Media. I am the CEO and founder of Hoxo Media and we are the world's leading content marketing and personal branding agency for recruitment businesses specifically. So we are working with over 200 agencies and 2,000 recruiters right now 
both managing the brands, producing content, building written, video, podcast content for niche recruitment agencies all over the world, as well as coaching at a desk level, individual recruiters in your businesses, how to be better on LinkedIn. That's how to brand themselves. That's how to produce content. That's how to use the opportunity on LinkedIn to get traffic to their profiles and turn that into business. We're coaching people all over the world every single day. If any of that sounds of interest, please do visit www.hoxomedia.com or drop me, Sean Anderson, a personal message on LinkedIn. I would love to talk to you. Tune in again next week. That's live on LinkedIn. I'll see you soon.